I'm probably too conservative for this group, but you might as well know something about me. I am pro-life. I am pro-Second Amendment. I am pro-family. I am pro-freedom. And let's face it, I am anti-China. They are killing us. Michigan businessman and quality guru Perry Johnson got third place in the CPAC straw poll and is running on his two cents to save America plan. I'll tell you how this plan will affect our health care on this edition of Pulse Check on the Candidates. Welcome to Pulse Check on the Candidates. I'm Matthew Handley. This is a special series from the Flatlining Podcast that is focused on the policies of the 2024 presidential candidates, and in particular, how they will affect our health care. Healthcare continues to be one of the most talked about but least understood platforms in nearly every election, and we're working to bring some clarity and some honesty to that discussion in this election cycle. This is our second episode of Pulse Check on the Candidates. In our first episode, we took a look at vaccine denier and Democratic candidate Robert F. Kennedy Jr. You can find a link to that episode in the show notes of this program or wherever you're listening to this podcast today. can guarantee that most of you have never heard of Perry Johnson. He's never held political office, and the only books he has written are high-level quality control manuals for ISO 9000, the set of quality management system standards that help organizations ensure they meet customer and other stakeholder needs. But he's lived the American dream, he says. Here he is describing it in his 2023 CPAC speech. Now, like many of you, when I went to school, I didn't have the money to go to college. But I worked during the summer, and I got a student loan, and I went through undergraduate school. In graduate school, I was getting eviction notices on a regular basis because I couldn't pay my rent. <laughs> I, I lived on sub sandwiches, and I had my electricity shut off and all that. And I really came through the school of hard locks. But I got a job at Borg Warner in the auto industry around 1980. That was a time when the Japanese had come in with tremendous quality, and they were killing us. The Japanese were taking market share, and we had a problem. Because at the end of the line, what happened is that we had people at the end of the line inspecting, and I knew that wasn't going to work. So what did I do? I knew we would go to the front of the operation, introduce statistical methods, and we solved the problem. And now Perry Johnson registrars and Perry Johnson laboratory accreditation operate all over the country. We have tens of thousands of companies that I live the American dream. Now, I meant it when I said most of you have never heard of Perry Johnson. My fellow Michiganders will recall, though, that he attempted to run for governor here in 2022, but was removed from the primary ballot along with several other candidates for having too many invalid or fraudulent signatures on the petition drive. 
Obviously, he disagrees with that decision and spoke about it with Roop Raj and Charlie Langton on Fox 2 Detroit's Let It Rip. We both hire consultants. They are the ones that know the petitioners, right? Yes. So we hire them. They, they hire the petitioners and they know what they're doing. I saw them looking over all of these petitions, and they scrutinize them. How are we going to ever tell if we have a forged signature if we do not have access to the signature? Think about it. But Gary, How would me, you know? Let me ask you this. The, 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 you ran your campaign. You spent millions of dollars on television talking about how, for all of your career, you've been the quality control guy. Yes. How did the quality control of the petitions get past the quality control guy? I don't think they're right. That's why I filed in the court, federal court, and it's very interesting that we had the judge set the trial for the 14th. The only issue we have is that they want to start printing the ballots tomorrow, and we asked for a stay. So I'm hoping the judge grants that stay because at the hearing before, they said there's not enough paper <laughs> to print another set of ballots. So they would come back and say, yes, you should be on the ballot, but we don't have any paper. The judge did not grant that stay, and Johnson's gubernatorial aspirations were over. Perry Johnson launched his presidential campaign in Iowa with an ad buy during the Super Bowl which featured some interestingly photoshopped images of well-known Democrats. Our fat, bloated government is choking us with inflation. Milk, eggs, heat, unaffordable. Just pay the government more. This is where he announced his main campaign platform. I'm Perry Johnson. I've written a book called Two Cents to Save America. So what does this two cents plan entail? He described it in a recent speech in Iowa. It's a very simple concept. Instead of having the government spend every single penny in their budget every single year, going out of their way to throw your money away, I say we do just the opposite. I'm going to do what I did in every company. We freeze the budget and we cut two cents out of every dollar of discretionary spending every year. There's no doubt that Johnson's concept is attractive. Many voters, myself included, have concerns about the amount of money the federal government spends and the return it gets on those investments. Since we're a healthcare podcast, let's talk about it in that context. How would two cents out of every dollar affect our healthcare? I asked Fulcrum Strategies president and CEO and economist Ron Howergan. If you took two percent out of the Medicare and Medicaid budget, how would that affect our healthcare? Well, we're sort of seeing that a little bit, um, you know, with the cuts that happened from Medicare last year, um, it's about a point and a half, and they plan on doing another point and a half this year. Um, and even that's not a, a 2% cut in spending, that's trying to reduce the increase in spending. Uh, if you really started to take 2% cuts in expending in Medicare and Medicaid, what you're likely to have happen is fewer and fewer physicians who are willing to see those patients. Uh, remember, there's no federal law that says you have to care for those patients. You could decide not to. And I'm seeing physicians start to reduce the amount of appointment slots they allow for those patients because of how underpaid they are. Um, you would see those kind of cuts start to really impact rural hospitals. Um, some of them would close their doors and fail. So it would start to have some pretty dramatic impacts on the you know, the delivery and provision of care. 
Ron, what are your initial reactions uh, to Perry Johnson's platform? His, his, basically, if you boil down his platform to one sentence, it would be, if we took two cents out of every dollar of, of federal spending, we could solve our debt crisis. What, what are your initial reactions to that statement? If only it were true. I mean, you know, that'd be a little bit like, you know, me saying, well, if I just, you know, if I just reduced one Coke out of my diet every year, I would lose weight. Okay. Um, it's, it's literally as ridiculous as that statement. Um, 2% out of the federal spending is nowhere near enough money to solve our debt problem. Um, so yeah, I mean, if, if only or true, boy, this would be an easy problem. We wouldn't have deficit problem anymore, but it's just a ridiculous number. Um, walk me through some of the numbers of, of why this wouldn't, why you think this wouldn't work. Yeah. So, uh, let's take it, let's take 2022, which is the last full year, obviously that we had. Okay. The government spent $6.3 trillion, 2022. It took in revenues of 4.9 trillion. Okay, so it had a deficit of about $1.38 trillion. Now, let's say for 2022, we had followed his advice and we had cut spending across the board, realizing that some of that spending is things like an interest payment. We can't just cut interest payments. We owe those to bondholders, banks, et cetera. But let's assume that we did. We achieved a 2% cut in our budget. 2% of $6.3 trillion is $126 billion. Okay. That means our deficit wouldn't have been $1.38 trillion. It would have been $1.25 trillion. Boy, that doesn't sound like we fixed the deficit problem. Um, and every year that we run a deficit means that the total debt goes up, which means that the total interest expense goes up. So... That's what I mean, but it's a ridiculous number. You you can't get there by cutting just 2% of spending. You would have to cut a significantly higher number than that. And obviously, if you cut it only from discretionary spending, that would be even even less of a number. Oh, yeah, because discretionary spending is, you know, is is a small portion of it. So if you said forgot mandatory spending, which mandatory spending are things like the interest payments, Medicare, Medicaid, things we've promised, Social Security, and you did it just on discretionary spending. Well, in order to achieve a 2% or that $126 billion, you would have to cut discretionary spending by 13.5%. That would create incredible impacts to the economy because remember that discretionary spending or what we call as a, a federal budget expense is revenue to somebody else so that means you're taking out you know 126 billion dollars of revenue from somebody some company some employee etc um which is going to create downstream ripple effects see we promised we'd be honest well johnson's idea sounds good in concept there's little chance it would work in reality on the one hand, 2% is just not large enough of a cut to make a dent in the federal deficit. And when you apply it to only discretionary spending, it's even less. Additionally, the president doesn't control the budget. Sure, he or she can make proposals and submit them to Congress, but ultimately it is them who decides how much money is spent. Despite the fact that his concept probably won't work, 
Perry Johnson is certainly more electable and palatable than other candidates. On the one hand, he doesn't think vaccines cause autism. And on the other hand, he acknowledges that Trump lost the 2020 election. Additionally, he carries bona fide conservative principles and says all the right Republican things. The reality of, of the matter is that the government spends too much money. You know that and I know that. I, I, I would get rid of the Department of Education, for starters. I mean, what do they do? Uh, they accomplish very little. Only about 8% of the money goes to the people in K through 12th grade, and they want to dictate how we run our lives. I say, let's eliminate those 40, we don't need 4,400 people in the Department of Education telling us what to do, spending all that money and essentially accomplishing nothing. We can just send that money directly to the students and they can go to school where they want. Additionally, he's a businessman, not a politician. And that's appealing to Republican voters. I asked Ron what he thought of that. So uh, my own personal opinion, and I'm going to, I'll throw something out there that um, I like the idea of having more business logic in government and specifically in the White House. Okay. Because there are some things that long-term people who've only been in public service sometimes I think have a hard time understanding, you know, um, nobody in business would ever utter the phrase unfunded mandate because there isn't anything in business, you know, uh, you know, and, and we, we seem to be okay with that in the, um, in the, uh, in the world of, of government. Well, no, no, a mandate's a mandate. You can't not fund it. It'll get funded somewhere or another, so you can't call it unfunded. So I like the idea of, of more business acumen. Now, government's not purely a business, okay? So you can't go all the way there because there are things that we see that businesses do that are um, good business but bad for the population, and government's supposed to be there for the population. So, and I'll, I'll sort of throw this one at you. Here would be, in, in some respects, one of my dream tickets. Um, Mark Cuban as the president and let's take uh somebody like uh uh john Kasich as vp okay and the reason i would pick those two is cuban's obviously a very intelligent business guy i've read a lot of stuff he's written you know some of the recent stuff he's done with prescription with his prescription company etc i think he could have some really good business ideas and he built his business up from scratch okay i like that okay take Kasich, who um is a moderate Republican who has a lot of experience both before he was governor, when he was in Congress, et cetera, and somebody who has not, um, in my opinion, been just, you know, party first and always. Remember when he was governor of Ohio, he took the Medicaid expansion money and said, look, if I was president, I'm not sure I would do this. I don't think it's wise for the whole country, but I don't work for the whole country. I work for the people of Ohio. And if the government wants to give me money, I'm going to give, I'm going to take the money. Um, and he's not viewed as incredibly partisan by the Democrats. So, yeah, I'd love to see a scenario where we've got some business action. And you could probably flip it and say, well, I'd like this person as president, this person as a VP. Um, we need more of that, um, in my opinion, because if somebody from a business perspective took a look at our current deficit problem, one of the early conclusions I would reach is, we will not get there through spending cuts alone. It's impossible. In order to get rid of our deficit, 
next year, we would have to have a cut of 22% of our spending, total spending, not just discretionary. That's impossible. You know, we'd kill the system. So a business person would say it's going to be some spending cuts and it's going to be some revenue enhancements. Taxes have to go up, period, end of story. Because that's why a business person would say, look, I can't make this company profitable purely through, I'm going to have to raise the price of my product. That's the same thing. But whether or not he can get on the August debate stage is another question. He knows that he has to get 40,000 donors to be on that stage. So how is the self-funded businessman going to do that? Yes, I have a lot of money. Yes, I'm funding my own campaign. I'm not proud of the fact that you can live in America and you can make your dreams come true. But I think it's ridiculous that they put a requirement on that you have to get 40,000 donors to try to get you off the debate stage. But I'm going to get on that stage anyway because I can believe that I can still do it. I'm just going to ask for two cents because that's all I want is 40,000 donors, two cents apiece. In short, Perry Johnson is an electable candidate and his two cents to save America plan is appealing, but unfortunately there's just no way it will work. If Republicans want someone who isn't a politician, is a successful businessman, and someone who isn't Trump, however, Perry Johnson may be their guy. And I'll give him the last word on that. I agree with most everything that Trump did, except he spent too much money. I also know that we had an election and he lost. Now, if he's going to run against Biden again, and Biden has this infrastructure which is much greater than it was before he ran because he's an incumbent, Trump will end up losing again. And I want America to be a better place, a more secure place. And in the end, I know the only way this is going to happen is if we win over independent voters. There are about a dozen states that are critical to winning this election, and we have to win them. And we can complain about the fact that there are mass mailing ballots and everything else, but that's the way it is. And we have to adapt to it. And if we don't, we're going to lose another election. And I want to win. And it doesn't matter who gets nominated, I will be voting Republican. That I guarantee. Thanks for joining us for the second edition of Pulse Check on the Candidates. You can find links to previous editions in the show notes for this program or at flatlining.net. Just click Election 2024. Be sure to like and subscribe, and don't forget to share this podcast with your friends. We're bringing truth and clarity to the healthcare discussion this election cycle, and we're excited to share it with everyone. I'm Matthew Handley from flatlining.net, and I'll talk to you next time.